And we are back to talk about the season finale of The Mandalorian, or as Preston likes to call it, Bounty Hunters Betraying Each Other. <laughs> yes. And uh, this episode was actually, in my opinion, the best episode of the series, because we get a bunch of, of everything I've been, and everything you've been wanting, actually. We've been getting, um, you've been wanting background and lore, I've been wanting more Star Wars elements, and we're both getting a lot of what we wanted. Yeah. Um, we get to find out more about the Mandalorian, we get more Stormtrooper battles, we get a, a friggin' TIE Fighter and a great view of the TIE Fighter. More, more art, and, story payoffs, um, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. And... And, uh, yeah, we get actual more information about our characters as well. And uh, even a redemption for IG-11. It's more ignorance of what the Jedi and the Force is, but, you know, it's okay. Yo, we'll get to that, because that was so <laughs> stupid. That was so stupid. Because now it's not just, like, you haven't heard of Yoda. Like, they didn't ha they'd never heard of the Jedi. <laughs> I'm telling you, bro. I'm telling you. It's, it's, like, it's like, you don't know, you don't know, like, the director of the FBI's name, if you're living in some third world country, but you know, you probably might know that the FBI is a thing. Yeah, yeah. So come on. Okay. <laughs> um, let, 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 let's let's start. Okay. So the plot synopsis: While the Mandalorian, Dune, and Karga are trapped by Moff Gideon and his soldiers, IG Eleven rescues the child from scout troopers. Now, I I think I messaged you about this, or my friend, I forgot. Mm. But the very beginning of the uh, the episode with the scout troopers, that's that's essentially troops. Yes, absolutely. Um, but it, it just makes me feel bad because it humanized the stormtroopers. Granted, the stormtroopers were, were straight up murderers. They freaking murdered Pig Boy. And. Quill? Yeah, whatever his name is. Um, and, and yeah, but at the same time, all of a sudden, it's like these are two regular human beings. So in the next scene where IG 11 is slaughtering them all, I'm like, oh God, like. Those are those are individuals, you know, with hopes and dreams and all sorts of stuff. So he, he he's not just he's not just killing them. He's brutally killing them. Yeah. He, I think I think he twists one guy's wrist and breaks it, and then takes one guy and just bashes his head repeatedly yeah. on something. Like he's fucking these guys up. But I gotta say, I love the scout troopers. That shit was hilarious. But I I hate I hate every time something or someone in an episode every now and then has to like kind of fuck up baby yoda a little bit like <laughs> they're like hey do you think it's dead i don't know it's fine I, well what does moff gideon want to do it i don't know eat it or something I, well how am i supposed to know well maybe we should check on it you kind of hit it pretty hard what no leave yeah. it alone like, just, I, let's check I also on think it. it's kind of odd that in this universe <laughs> with all sorts of crazy looking aliens that they're all like oh my god that's crazy you know what is that? Is that what? a is that what? a pet or something? Oh my god! What is that? <laughs> like this is you know, it's like imagine imagine you go to the zoo and there's a million you know every time you go to the zoo there's you you might run into a species you'd never really seen before, and mm -hmm. and it's a little odd but at the same time you're not like oh man what is that like you know like an, you know an animal looks like another animal and and there's similarities and sometimes it's like a bright animal and you're like oh that bird is pretty but at the same time you wouldn't be like oh man what is that's so crazy like have you not walked down the street of any of goddamn any planet in the galaxy and there's all sorts there's a cornucopia of freaking aliens but come on Preston, the galaxy is huge i mean what's the, what's the chances of you running into a freaking minoc versus a baby yoda sure but like how different, like, relatively speaking, you're a stormtrooper, okay? You know, how different does Baby Yoda look from, say, Greedo's spe species, the Ro the Rodians? See, is that what they're mm -hmm. called? Yeah. Ro Ro Rodians, I think. Yeah, yeah. yeah. See, see, how, see how nerdy I am? Now, 
Now, how different, like, you know, they both have, have leathery green skin. You know, the Yoda species has big ears, but other animals, you know, other species with big ears, it has big eyes, other species with big eyes. I wouldn't be like, oh my God, that's crazy. I'd just be like, oh, it's an infant fucking alien. Like, they're all fucking over. Like the Senate is filled with how many? Oh, know? I get, I get what you're saying. You're, you're saying that they, everybody thinks it's a pet when it's just wearing clothes and it's clearly like an actual alien. Right, and they're an all, animal. and they're all like flabbergasted by it. They're like, oh my god, <laughs> what is that? It's a fucking baby alien. Like, there's a, it's a, not even an alien. It's just a baby something. Like, there's a million species. I'd just be like, oh, it's a, it's an infant of something. Like, I, I thought it was insane how a couple episodes ago Bill Burr is holding this thing and then the droid. Is on the sh- is piloting the ship, and he comes in real quick, and Bill Burr just lets the alien, just lets the baby Yoda drop on the floor, and I'm like, oh, dude! Yeah. But in this episode, these scout troopers fucking punches hit. I'm like, oh, bro, what are yeah. you doing? Yeah. Now, what the hell? Oh, I. What did you think of them like unable to hit that can? Dude, oh, that's that. First off, I love that's that's just just the show being meta because the stormtroopers can't hit shit. I love that. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> I just thought it was hilarious. It is just so ridiculous because like like I say like. <laughs> The stormtroopers are supposed to have good aim. They spend their entire life like training. Well, even even in A New Hope, there's a bit of uh, meta commentary from uh, I believe it was Luke or Han who says, "I can't see a thing in this helmet." When they're uh, disguised as stormtroopers. Sure, but at the same time, like like Obi Wan said that stormtroopers have really good aim. I think that's just George Lucas's inability to keep things together. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's. It's silly and ridiculous. I like the more I have to analyze like stormtroopers and the entire like status of stormtroopers. Like it's just it's just horrible. It's horrible that there is these these either clones or kidnapped people that are made into that are forced into being soldiers against their will, and then we just like cheer when they're slaughtered en masse. I, I don't think I don't think the the stormtroopers were forced to be troopers against their own will. I think they. I think they're, they're all of them are like you know people who go in to apply for that job. The first order are uh, those stormtroopers are stormtroopers forced to be stormtroopers against their will. Well, the problem is we don't really have too many, too much information on where stormtroopers come from in the original True. trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. We 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 know where they come from in the prequel trilogy. They're clones. We know in the sequel trilogy they're kidnapped children. Um, you know, in the middle, do they do they sign up? You know? Yes. But even so, if even if they do sign up, they're tricked into it like any other soldier from from a military. You know, I'm sure there's there's patriotic propaganda on the on their on their TVs, and they they think they're making a difference, or they come from a really poor family, and they they have no other economic options. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not. You know, I, I don't, I'm not I'm not going to feel good about these poor stormtroopers. <laughs> Get, you know, getting murdered. Which, but you're supposed to. You're supposed to be like, yeah, that IG-11 flying in, blowing, like killing them in mass. Like, yeah, woo. And we'll get to that. But there, there kind of needed to be at least a line at the end of episode three that said that um, they were going to, like, decommission the clones. Because the clones get, like, you know, removed off the whole line. And over time, they all retire or they get retired. And they just get, like, volunteers and people just signing up to be to be stormtroopers. Right. I mean, I, I get that by the time Return of the Jedi, post-Return of the Jedi comes a, comes along, the the clones are going to be getting old. Because mm-hmm. even even the young, like, we saw some we saw some young clones in um, Attack of the Clones. Uh, like, like, you know, young, they were Boba Fett. Young Boba, yeah, they were Boba Fett age 
versus Django Fed Age. We also saw Django mm-hmm. Fed Age ones. And so we know that they double twice, you know, they, they have twice the, the rate of, of aging. Um, and so between Revenge of the, between Attack of the Clones and this, there's what, 25 years? So that means they're, they're about, those guys will be, you know, 50 something, 50, mm-hmm. mid 50s. They're probably a little past Stormtrooper age. Um, so they're probably not clones because those clones are all in retirement. Right. Um, on, on, um, on their retirement planet, you know. <laughs> only only you can uh, go on for like six minutes about Stormtroopers. I'm just saying if you're going to humanize them, <laughs> I if know. You're gonna, that's, that's, that's the rub, right? You humanize them for, for, humor, for humorous effect. And then in the next scene, you murder them. Mm-hmm. Like you make them likable. They're like regular Joes. Right. And then you murder them the next scene. Well, I mean, you got who? Who else are you gonna kill? Random bounty hunter guy? I guess it's just I don't even know. Like at this point, I don't like the the zeitgeist of America is so schizophrenic. Because on the one hand, you have John Wick, like those movies coming out, and people just like, oh, I'm just gonna show you mass death. And then you have like all sorts of stuff that's meta that's like, wait a minute, let's step back and let's ask ourselves, what does it mean that we just have disposable people dying on screen? Which is a question we're supposed to ask, considering that Finn is a freaking stormtrooper. You know? And then we, so we have this like contradiction. Like, am I supposed to be mindless? Like John Wick, like original Star Wars when it came out, I'm not supposed to think about it. They're just grunts, you know? Or am I supposed to realize that each of these people is a, is a person and has feelings and, you know, they had a whole life before that. Someone, like, birthed them and raised them and changed their diapers and looked at them with doting eyes and cared for them and raised them just so IG-11 could fucking kill them in a one-second scene. I don't know. I don't, like, I'm not sure how I'm supposed to feel anymore about this. Preston, are you okay? I'm fine. Are you, are you okay? <laughs> are you alright, man? Jesus I'm just Christ, saying, are you okay? You uh, Alright, I'm just, I mean, I'm just checking it out. I had, no, I had the same problem the, the years ago. I had the same problem when they, when I, um, when I watched Goldeneye. There's this one fucking mm. line in Goldeneye where Ned Stark tells uh, Pierce Brosnan, um, uh, "Is the reason you drink?" and womanize so much to drown out the screams of all the people that you've murdered. And it's just this like passing line in the middle of this diatribe. And I was like, holy shit, like you just called out James Bond. That's really interesting. But then, you know, the villain gets killed at the end and we're never supposed to like ask about how James Bond feels about Wait a minute. all the people that he's killed. I, I almost don't remember this line, but Sean Bean says this to James Bond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't that kind of like the same thing he says to Jamie Lannister in season one, episode three? I don't know if he says this in the books. Huh. Remind me if he does. But remember when, when Ned Stark is like, did, he says to Jamie, is that what you tell yourself at night? That you're a servant of justice? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll have to find... Did he say that in the books to Jamie before he meets up with a small council? I don't remember that. Um... But I, I, I would love if that's like a call to Goldeneye when his character says that to James Bond. Yeah, it's 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 just such a it's such a memorable line from me and for me and I I hope um, it would make sense that why he womanizes so much and drinks so much. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And here it is. Oh please, James, spare me the fraud. I might as well ask you if all the vodka martinis ever silenced the screams of the men you've killed, 
or if you'll find forgiveness in the arms of all those willing women for all the dead ones you failed to protect. England is about to learn the cost of betrayal, inflation adjusted for 1945. Like it's, it's, uh, it's like such a crazy line, you know, like, and, and, mm-hmm. and like once, once, once you think about that, like, like once that, it just like shattered James Bond for me. Um, and I could never look at it like the same way. Really? You no, can't, you yeah. can't, you can't watch James Bond without that line popping up in your head. Absolutely. Like hmm. it, that line. And I, I remember in the theater, cause I saw GoldenEye in the theater and I remember that line. I've only seen GoldenEye one time. Mm. And I and I saw it when it came out, and I saw it in the theater, and so that line has stuck with me because it came out in 1995. So that line has 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 stayed with me for nearly 25 years. It's it's about the only thing I remember about Goldeneye, except for I'm invincible. Like I remember like those two things, <laughs> and, like Sean Bean saying that, and then getting crushed by it on a satellite dish, and like. Nightcrawler saying I'm invincible like over and over again and clicking the pen like I I remember nothing of that fucking movie But I remember that line and it, it just like it, it killed James Bond for me like I think after that I'd watched Honor Majesty's Secret Service and I remember George Lazenby skiing down the slope and he pushes some guy into a snowmaker and he gets chopped up and blood spurts everywhere and he turns to the to the woman and he says he had a lot of guts and I was like huh. <laughs> that was good I like that. <laughs> but like you take that line and then you put you like juxtapose against that and you're like holy fuck James Bond is fucked he is a fucked human being (laughs) (laughs) can we get back to the band yes yes (laughs) these two guys hanging out two regular guys and then they get i mean they punched baby yoda so i guess that's how we baby yoda and they and they killed pig boy i look i get it you know that's how we justify that (sighs) yeah yeah that's fine but what about all their buddies they didn't do anything we don't know that. They, they, they probably would have punched Baby Yoda as well. We don't know that. I guess so. So the Mandalorian finds himself in a weird situation. Moff Gideon is outside with his desk troopers and a bunch of uh, stormtroopers. And, and they start setting up their E-Web uh, repeating blaster, which I actually had as a toy. Fucking awesome mm. thing. Um, and they find a way out of that, that, uh, that house, a vent that leads into the sewers, but they just can't find a way to just get it open. And um, as they're trying to decide what to do next, Moff Gideon... This is, this is why they don't put vents on, like, the Death Star, because, like, that vent was, like, so hard to remove. Like, could you, you know, they, they couldn't put it on, like, an exhaust port. Like, that's just, you know, it's just too much, too much work. Anyway, continue. So, so Moff Gideon is actually a member of the, um, let's see here, I have it here. He's a member, he was a member of the ISB, which is the Imperial Security Bureau. Essentially, like I said in the last episode, he's kind of an SS agent, or was. That, that's the Empire's uh, for, like intelligence agency. Mm-hmm. And uh, as he's uh, essentially telling them it's no hope, he actually reveals 
a lot of information about each and every one of them. So Caradun is Carisynthia uh, from Alderaan. So now we finally understand why she hates the Imperials so much. Mm. Uh, Grieve Karga is a former magistrate, probably of Navarro, the planet. And uh, we find out the Mandalorian's real name is uh, Din Jaren. Din Jaren. Mm. Okay. And um, yeah, he. By the uh, way, by the way, related to that, have you ever noticed that the only people that have normal names are the original players from Star Wars? And after yeah. that, no one was ever given a normal name again. That's not true. What about Han's girlfriend, Kira? Kira's, I mean, I've never met a Kira in real life, but I suppose I've met a lot like of, tons of them. There's a lot of Kiras in in uh, in, um, in in media, but you know, what like, about what about Ray and uh, Be- oh, that doesn't count. Okay. Um, you're talking about you're talking about like side characters. Yeah, like any side characters. Like like the first characters we meet are Luke, you know, Han and Leia, which are all like real names, and Ben, right? Mm-hmm. And then after that, then names just got weird. Like, even when you get to Return of the Jedi, you're like, hey, your dad's name is Anakin? That's not, that doesn't sound like a real name, you know? <laughs> I know what you mean. I've always, I've always <laughs> kind of noticed that. Yes, I know what you mean. <laughs> but I do like how they kind of make Moff Gideon like they do every SS officer in every World War II movie ever. It's, yeah. it's, it's he's essentially a Tarkin clone, kind of. Because, because Moff Tarkin gives off that, uh, that older guy who's, you know, insane position of power and just knows everything about everybody yeah. you know this is so but this, but this is one of the reasons why like those name thing is one of the reasons why the expanded universe is very difficult to keep track of because you're like mm. oh it's the jedi like pup chuck canoe and you're like i pff, like i'm supposed to remember that like why didn't you just call him tom like <laughs> i can remember fucking tom there's way too many characters to give them normal names <laughs> it's true <laughs> all right but my, yeah Moff Gideon, SS, knows everything about everybody. Mando's, in, in that, Mando's real name, which mm-hmm. which is Din Djarin. Din Din, 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 Din. Uh, The D is silent, so yeah. Din Djarin. Din Djarin. He's gonna be Pedro Pascal or Mando forever. It doesn't matter what his real name yeah, is. Yeah, of course. And um, I, I mean, I'm sooner gonna call him Ober Martel than of than, course than fucking yeah. So Cara Dune, she says she can't be captured. They'll mind flay her. I'm assuming the whole mind flaying thing is what happened to Jordy in uh, Rogue One when when they uh, enter. Um, um, oh, fuck, who's the black? Forrest Whitaker's uh, hideout in Rogue One on Jeddah. I think they hook him up to that octopus mo- octopus monster that flays his mind. You know Jordy, oh. right? He's the um, Imperial pilot. Yeah, yeah. All those superfluous characters from Rogue One. Yeah. Right. Unnecessary characters. <laughs> and uh, so IG-11, he saves Baby Yoda, and he gets on the Scout Trooper's bike, and he just go... I, I thought, that, like, why the fuck would you go to the Mando? Why not go back to his ship? Yeah, it didn't really make sense. You're like, my mm-hmm. programming is to protect the baby, so I'm going to take the baby right into harm's way. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to fly with that baby straight into a battalion of t- stormtroopers. Because, like, if your programming was to protect the baby, just go, like, pew, other direction, find a ship, get off world. Right. Be done. But he takes Baby Yoda and just heads right for the town full of stormtroopers. And it's a really badass scene of him just taking out all these troopers. Now, I love, this is, to me, this is Star Wars. Taking out stormtroopers, firefighting, all this stuff. And uh, we get a very cool action scene. Probably one of the coolest action scenes so far in the show. When IG-11 comes in there and they just blast their way out of the house and start blasting everybody. But, of course, Moff Gideon, once again, I love stuff like this. The badass that he is... You know, the Mando is on the E-Web blaster, fucking everybody up. 
Moff Gideon just walks up and just blasts the the whole thing and uh, gives him a nice concussion. And uh, they retreat back into the house, but IG-11 is with them now. And um, IG-11 cuts open the vent, but Mando can't go because he's severely injured. And as everybody walks out into the into the vents, um, IG-11 gives a nice little Bacta, Bacta spray to heal his, uh, his brain damage, which I don't know if that's how that works. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's a, hy- it's a hyperspray. I don't know if you in Star Trek the big joke is they 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 have this medical device called a hypospray and it just seems to do fucking everything. It's kind of like uh, the the sonic stru- screwdriver, you know, mm-hmm. uh, from from Doctor Who. It just does fucking everything, and so yeah, it's just whatever. It fixes it fixes brain damage. Fine. I do like this whole like um this whole this whole thing like no living thing has ever seen me without my helmet and ig11's like i'm not a living thing i like that mm-hmm. ig11 coming back he wasn't really a the thing is is that this episode is making it like ig11 needs a redemption story not really yeah yeah no i get it like i, I get what you're saying that's why i'm saying the, the music and and everything made us sit there and be like oh i should be mourning ig11 and i i don't know i don't know if we, we haven't spent enough time with ig11 to mourn him, you know? I'm talking right. new IG-11. Like, old IG-11, we knew him, and then he got shot in the head, and we were Right, we were but, oh, but they act like old IG-11 needed a redemption arc, and I'm like, but why, though? He didn't really do... He was just following his programming. He wasn't an evil robot like the right. Super Battle Droids or Grievous. Like he's, like, he's just doing what he needs to do, and he was kind of funny when we saw him for, like, three minutes in the first episode. Yeah. But um, he, he comes back, and I wouldn't say it's a redemption arc, but it just, I guess, makes the character very cool. I mean, it's obviously supposed to as well be a connection to Mando and how he hates droids and mm-hmm. how this, like, droid in the end ends up saving him. And so now he has to, like, learn, you know, he learns that uh, he was, he, his prejudice was, was wrong. But, <laughs> but I feel like he has a good reason to hate droids. Droids oh, are the whole reason why he's an orphan. <laughs> sure. I mean... <laughs> It's not like hating another person. You're just hating, like, machinery. You're just hating robots that are, you know, designed to kill things. Right. And and are we supposed to believe... that? That's that's the funny thing, right? Is, on the one hand, are we... We're, like, Star Wars has always done this. It can't decide if droids are are sentient life that, that deserves sympathy or if they're not, right? Because in, in, the, in the first move, in... in Phantom Menace, we've got these, you know, legions and legions of battle droids that we shouldn't care about, you know. And and George Lucas specifically said that he had to use droids because showing that many people get slaughtered on such a ma- uh, massive scale would affect, like, the, the, the ratings for the movie, and he couldn't get away with it. Uh, he he specific, specifically said that. In oh, interviews. that's why? Yeah. He specifically I, lo- said I thought it was just him, like, getting really hard on with the... With the CGI, that's, no, that's no. What he, said? he specifically said that he had he had to use the battle droids. Oh, um, what the be, fuck? Because I, he oh, couldn't show huh. he couldn't show that that level of like carnage, um, which huh. which is fine. But also like you know are we are but then we have R two D two and and C three PO and we're supposed to feel for them you know as if they're sentient things, and so in, in so then you've got IG eleven like how how am I supposed to feel about him? Am I supposed to feel that he was more than his programming? Am I supposed to T2 him? 
because if he because he, he proved to not be like the original droid that was on his mission, so he really was just as programming. And Pig Boy told me that he was just as programming. So I don't know. Like, is he more than his programming? I they couldn't they couldn't decide. So eventually, IG-11 picks him up, and they join the others. And they arrive at the Mandalorian Conclave, and they find it abandoned, except for the armor, who explains that the Imperials mm. found the Enclave when the Mandalorians revealed themselves back in Episode uh, 3, I yeah. believe. And upon seeing the child who saved the Mandalorian from the Mudhorn, um, the armor mentions that its powers are similar to those of the Jedi. But they didn't call them Jedi, I don't believe. I think they called them sorcerers. Or yeah, no, I think she, she called them she Jedi. Said, I think... She said a sect called the Jedi at some right. point. Like, like what? What are those? Like, And he, and then at one point, the Mando mentions them as sorcerers. But uh, she mentions them as the ancient enemies of the Mandalorian. Right. He could, he could use, you know... <laughs> I mean, may the Force be with you is a regular line right that people say to each other i i don't think it's a regular line like hey what's up like i really don't i, I mean the rebel alliance said it right to, but the rebel alliance is is like an offshoot uh survival uh exiled form of the new of the old republic who knew about the jedi but i feel it like i said i feel as though in a in a galaxy with millions of planets not everybody has met a jedi or know of the jedi or are too familiar with it right I mean, the Jedi Council was destroyed like 25 years ago. <laughs> I mean, how if, do I... By, by any, by any, like, if you want to say, like, fucking Goldeneye was 25 years ago. <laughs> We're sitting here talking about Goldeneye. <laughs> how, how, how about this? It's like, okay, I, I was going to use the, I was going to use Samurais, but no, everybody knows Samurais and Ninjas. It's yeah. like, um, what is a... I want to. I almost want to use this, but I'm probably going to butcher the name. You know, like the Maoris. Am I saying it right? Maori. From from, from New Zealand. Yeah. Okay. It's like yeah. the Maori guys, the warriors, right? People know of them. Not everybody has met one, and a lot of people don't know about them. Those, those is that more in line? Right, but we've heard of them. Like to get to this point where it's like a sect called like the Maori, like or the a sect called the Jedi. Like, Pedro Pascal's character was alive during the time during the time that the Jedi Council was still a thing. Mm-hmm. And and you're right because the Jedi also served as generals, and some of them led legions of clones against the Separatists. Yeah, you're right. But but at the same time, the Separatists having droids can attack more planets than the the Republic can probably uh, go against. And for some reason. When the Separatists were attacking his planet when he was younger, the Republic didn't come to save him. It was the Mandalorians. But why the why would the Mandalorians care about this planet if he wasn't born on Mandalore? I don't I don't, I don't know. They're, maybe they're just picking up foundlings. They're maybe like recruits. I heard the rumor that Obi Wan would because they already they already said there's there's going to be an Obi Wan series. I heard the rumor that Obi Wan was going to save him because the last time we saw that flashback, I believe, was in Episode Three, where his parents mm. put him in the basement, and then a battle droid opens the basement, it's about to kill him. I heard the rumor that it was going to be a lightsaber that destroys that battle droid and saves him, but I guess the Mandos also coming in saving him makes sense as well. Yeah. Um. So we also get a bit of lore. Apparently, the Mandalorians, the ancient ones did go up into a war with the Jedi. This also falls in line with the old canon, where the Mandalorian Wars... They... So now he doesn't know Mandalorian history. 
Apparently not. Maybe he does, actually. I Actually, you know what? I don't know. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> You're right. Oh, hmm. God. It's just... Huh. Uh, I didn't actually catch that. You're right. So apparently in this, in the, in the new canon, as well as the old one, the Mandalorians, the, the warrior ones, because right now I don't know the state of Mandalore, because in Clone Wars, the Mandalorians were trying to be peaceful, and then we go to Rebels, and I guess the Empire has turned them yeah, into it's, warriors? It sounds like their planet's been been destroyed, or not not physically destroyed like Alderaan, but it sounds like the, the Empire crushed their, their planet and, it's, and their civilization is in, is in pieces. Like, that's, that's the sense I get. Right, because in Rebels, we got the sense that um, the Mandalorians were going to rise against the Empire, because the Empire had their own, like, puppets on Mandalore to keep the peace. Mm. And some other, some other Mandalorian warriors rebelled against that. So I don't really, I don't really know... But apparently, according to lore, um, the Mandalorians were the ancient enemies of the Jedi until, I guess, the Jedi won and the Mandalorians calmed down a bit. But regardless, she charges the Mandalorian to take the child back to its people, wherever they may be. Until then, or until it grows up, the child is now in the Mandalorian's charge. And she carves a mudhorn signet into his shoulder, remarking that he is now a clan of two, and gives him a jetpack, finally. So... There is only two, master and apprentice. <laughs> Pretty much. And there is no way the Mandalorian will be dead. He will die of old age before this child even reaches adolescence. So he has yeah, to either find it. Yeah, it's funny. pretty funny to have a little Mandalorian helmet for Baby Yoda. Like if Baby Yoda becomes a Mandalorian, that's, that's you know, what, what would he dress as? So he either has to find, I think they were, were saying that he either has to find... His species or the Jedi, I think. Yeah. So, I'm assuming there's no way we're going to see Luke. Because Luke is actually actively traveling around around this time. Collecting Jedi artifacts and finding out <clears throat> Jedi yeah. things. Yeah. So, there, he's, we're probably going to see Baby Yoda's home planet in Season 2. Uh, which maybe. has been confirmed for, for fall of 2020. Yeah, I mean, maybe. Uh I mean, if I were gonna if I were gonna go with it, I mean, we still don't know who those boots that walked up in the. I desert was just thinking were. that. Yeah. So I mean, maybe. I mean, I would like a Boba Fett tie-in. Why wouldn't you bring in Boba Fett? Mm-hmm. But um, you know, you bring you bring back the Emperor. You should bring back Boba Fett. But um, that's certainly that was certainly the the thought for uh, Dark Empire. <laughs> the armor she remains behind. Obviously, she can't go. I actually kind of like this character. This character is super cool, um, but she remains behind and fucks up the stormtroopers. Yeah, and she left it open on. He's like, were they all killed? And she's like, I don't know. <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. So it's like, okay, we can have as many or as few Mandalorians in the future as possible. Let's not paint ourselves into a corner. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so the Mando, Dune, Karga, and IG-11, and the child escaped down the underground lava river, which, okay. And the Mandalorian Yeah, sees la- lava doesn't work that way, but it's okay. I, it's I was, uh, yeah, I know. <laughs> and he sees that in his visor that the stormtroopers are lying in ambush at the end of the tunnel. So IG-11 elects to sacrifice himself by walking into the ambush and activating his self-destruct, intending to avoid capture. Now, this scene, once again, I like how Mando goes from hating droids to liking them in a course of like two hours. Because at one point, Mando's like, you don't have to do this. And IG-11's like, you don't have to be sad about it. And he's like, I'm not sad. Well, I, I can detect it in your voice that you are. Yeah, yeah. I thought that was a little cute. What did you think about the helmet reveal? Oh, when he takes off the helmet? Yeah. 
I don't know. Like, it's Pedro Pascal. That, that's the funny thing, right? Like, so, you know, obviously, you know, the big helmet reveal, we think of Darth Vader. And that was like a big surprise because he takes I was, I was a little I was a little taken aback, just slightly, because I... I because, you know, it's Pedro Pascal, but throughout the, this is the first time we've seen his face, and we see it for, like, 30 seconds. Sure. The, the, the thing is, is we know what Pedro Pascal looks like, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, like, compared to the Darth Vader helmet reveal, and there's, there's something very vulnerable. Like, you think this powerful fucking badass Darth Vader, and then you take off his helmet, and he's this pathetic, uh, insecure, like you know, sickly man mm -hmm. on the inside. And, and that, that scene, like, tells you a lot about, you know, who, who Darth Vader is. Like, the hard exterior, but really deep down, you know, scared. A scared thing. Um, Pedro Pascal is weird, because you take off the helmet, and it's Pedro Pascal, and, yeah, he looked a little tired, <laughs> there was a little bit of vulnerability, but it wasn't, there was nothing super powerful about it, you know? Um, and I'm thinking of the other helmet reveal with, with, with Mace Wind, or, um, with uh, um, Adam Driver when he takes off his helmet in The Force Awakens. But he takes it off all the time. Right, but there's this reveal, she's just like, oh, you're not going to show my face, and he just takes off his helmet immediately, and it's just like, oh, Kylo Ren, you're like a regular dude. And that was always the feeling you had with Kylo Ren, that he's just like a regular dude. Because <laughs> he took off his helmet. You know, he's not Adam Driver. He's, you know, he's, he's a little on the homely side. You know? mm -hmm. <laughs> he's not nothing. And, you know. Are you so, saying it diminishes the character of the Mando because we did see his face and he's just a guy? Well, it's t I find this problem with anything where when you, ch when you choose a famous versus a rando, like, there, there's... Whenever you choose a famous person for your character, you have all of his previous previous roles to bias you. Because mm -hmm. um, it's not like you can cast Arnold Schwarzenegger in a movie and not think, like when he comes on screen, that he's going to be a badass, like cold cold killer, right? Right. Like, because Arnold Schwarzenegger has played a hundred roles before, and ninety nine of them have been that. Um, and so when you see him, you're just like, well, that's he's Arnold Schwarzenegger. I, you know, we, we don't even know his name in, in nearly all of his movies. And so it's the same with, like, Pedro Pascal. Like, he takes off it, and, and I have the bias of all of the other Pedro Pascals I've seen. You know, or main, mainly Oberyn Martel. <laughs> you, you've never seen Narcos? Because he was great in Narcos. I've not seen Narcos. Oh. This is great. Yeah. Watch Narcos, bro. He's, he's, pretty, he's pretty fantastic in Narcos. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and I gotta say, um, would you rather have them... Because I think, I think they should have done this better, but at the same time, what was the point in hiring Pedro Pascal? Would you have rather, as IG-11 takes off his helmet, the camera pans behind IG-11 and then like fades away to black? Would you rather them do that, we never see his face, kind of like the Master Chief in Halo. Just every time he's about to take off his helmet, the camera pans away to a, like a weird angle to where you can't see his face. I don't know. I mean, at the same time, like there was nothing to the vulnerability in the sense that he convinced him, like, I'm not a living thing, so you can show your, you can show your face to me. You know? and, or he hadn't quite gotten to the redemption arc of like, learning, to, learning to love droids yet, right? Mm. Cause, so I don't know. Um... So, 
I don't know. I just don't know. I don't think. I don't know if I felt anything. I mean, I was surprised that they did it. I was like, mm-hmm. okay, finally, finally, we get to see his face a little. But that's it. So after they emerge from the tunnel, Gideon attacks in his Tie Fighter, and I gotta say, mm. Tie Fighters we've never seen up close like this. But I love it. I love how we see it. it's just a standard. It looks, tie. It looks exactly like a fucking toy at that point. Yes, you know, and I'm completely okay with that. The Mandalorian uses his jetpack to fly up to Gideon's fighter and plants explosives. I, I was actually thinking when that happened, I was like, did they design like, did they design the TIE fighter after the toy versus the toy being designed after what was on screen? I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and assume like it was a toy the entire time because the Mando's uh, ship, the Razor Crest, that's a toy as well. They wanted, okay. they wanted, you know, to do what they did in Episode Four. But I'm assuming they, uh, they actually built the Tie Fighter like wing and like thing, mm-hmm. so he can be on top of it. Which, once again, I love. I love getting up and close and personal with ships like that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a sucker for like the spaceships. And uh, he blows the Tie out of the out of the air, and uh, yeah, uh, the thing just crashes. It doesn't explode like every other Tie Fighter has ever done when they crash. It just mm. crashes. Well, and except with, for Kylo Ren's, yeah. Except for Kylo Ren's, which. She cut the fucking wing off. You know, I'm not even getting into that. Any- <laughs> Anyways, with the Imperials seemingly dealt with, Karga invites the Mandalorian to return to the guild, but he refuses as he must take care of the child. Which is weird because him taking random bounties and shit is what he's been doing this entire time. So mm. what the fuck is he going to do come season two? Uh, Dune elects to remain behind to work as Karga's enforcer. And the Mandalorian buries Yeah, Quill. Yeah, like, work, work me through, yeah, work me through his logic there. <laughs> Like, like, okay, Carl Weathers offers him more jobs, right? Mm-hmm. More bounty jobs. And he says, no, I got to take care of the kid. But you're a bounty hunter. That's what you do for a living. Well, you need money for fuel and shit, so. Right, but what's, like, what's, what's wrong? What's dangerous about hanging with Carl Weathers versus any other location? And, and, and it's not like the Empire's going to come back to Navarro, because the Empire is in shambles, and I think they have more things yeah. to worry about than coming back to this one planet who took out this moth guy. Maybe. Um, but no, the Mando buries uh, Quill beneath a cairn of stones and returns to his ship for the journey to come. As the Mandalorian departs Navarro, a group of Jawas are gathering around Gideon's crashed fighter when Gideon himself cuts his way out of it with a Darksaber, a Mandalorian mm. relic. So are you familiar with the Darksaber? Um... I mean, the term, like, rings a bell, but I don't know anything about Darksaber. So the Darksaber, apparently, when one of the first Mandalorians ever joined the Jedi Order, like, a thousand years ago, he constructed himself a Darksaber. I don't know how many there are, but throughout the course of Star Wars Clone Wars and Rebels, there's only been one. And it's passed through a lot of people. In fact, at one point, Darth Maul wields it. Oh. So... On Mandalore in the Clone Wars, they're peaceful as fuck. However, on the moon of Mandalore, there's a bunch of Mandalorians who are warrior-like, and they try to take over Mandalore, and one of the leaders, he has, um, pre Vizsla, he has a Darksaber. And then he teams up with Darth Maul, and they take over Mandalore. But then Darth <clears throat> Maul and pre Vizsla have a fight, which Darth Maul wins, kills pre Vizsla, gotcha. and takes the Darksaber. And, and takes Dark Sister. And then pa- so Dark Sister is like passed down. <laughs> was I saying gotcha. Dark Sister the entire time? I swear. No, no, okay, no, no, I, no, no, I was no, about no, to no, say. No, no. In Star Wars Rebel, one of our female main characters, who is a Mandalorian, she takes the Darksaber. But however, after she supposedly defeats the Empire on Mandalore, she gives it to Pre Vizsla's girlfriend. So, and we're supposed to like Pre Vizsla's girlfriend. So, 
somehow Gideon has this. So something happened to that girl. So we really only know about one dark saber. There might only be one dark saber. Might. It's a pretty it's it's a pretty famous item. Mm-hmm. It's like dawn. It has significance to people. It's you know, it's taken and passed down and all different stuff. Yes, it's it's been through the hands of a lot of people. And now Moff Gideon himself has it. Which I kinda understand because Dave Filoni, who might handle Star Wars now, maybe him and John Favreau. Um, Dave Filoni made Clone Wars and Rebels, so the fact that we're gotcha. focusing on Mandalorians and a Darksaber is par for the core. But, um, yeah, the Darksaber, Gideon himself survives, but which I like. But isn't Dave Filoni going to be super, super busy with like the Avatar sequels? What? Isn't, isn't, didn't he do, isn't Dave Filoni, like, didn't he, isn't he also like, like with, with Avatar? Doesn't he do all that stuff? Avatar. Oh, you know what? I'm confusing Avatar with Avatar. He, he worked on Avatar The Last Airbender. Not Wait, Dave Avatar. Filoni worked on Avatar The Last Airbender? No, he didn't. Did he? I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he might not have. Oh, he did. Oh, no. Really? I didn't know that. Wait a minute. Oh, he did! Wow. Okay, you actually you got me okay. on something. Good shit, man. Um, <laughs> I mean, I was fucking confused because I was like, wait, didn't he work on? Because I, I like I knew his name from Avatar, but then I was like, oh, it's the other Avatar, <laughs> not fucking Avatar, Blue People, but Avatar: The Last Airbender. Yeah. I was never. I was actually never. I've actually never seen Avatar: The Last Airbender. If you can believe that, I saw the movie, which was trash, but I've never saw the cartoon. Uh, I've seen a couple episodes. People people really really love it. Mm-hmm. The, the the two episodes I saw were good, but didn't represent didn't it didn't make me want to go psychotic over it. Yeah, which is what which it's the same one I saw. Like um, I decided to watch the first season of My Little Pony: Friendship Is Magic. What? And, yeah, because I was wait, like, wait wait wait, you I'm... saw the first season of My Little Pony? Yeah yeah yeah. The whole thing. Because, yeah, um, I watched okay. the first season. Yeah. The, Go ahead. Um, well, the thing is, because so I'm from Baltimore, and every year Baltimore hosts the Brony Convention. And so mm. one day, like, I saw all these Bronies, like, walking down the street. And I was like, oh, I wonder if there's anything to this. So I watched the first season of it. And it's like, okay, this is good. It's not mm. good enough to warrant me dressing up like a pony and, like, walking and going to a, a Brony Convention. Right. Like it, like, it was good. Like, it was really good. Not that good. What was so good about <laughs> it? Please tell me in the audience. What, what, what did you like about it? Uh, they have, it's very witty dialogue. Uh, hmm. There's a lot of lore and legend. It's, it's, it's an arc story. Like, I don't know if, like, it's all about, like, fulfilling prophecy and, like, people being, um, uh, you know, the chosen one and all of this stuff. It's very, it's, it's kind of like any other fantasy story. Um, it but with just, ponies. But it just happens to have ponies. And then they, but they also talk, it's really fast, uh, funny dialogue, kind of like, it's the same writers as um, uh, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Mm. And so it's very fast and witty, and it's, it's, it's very fun to watch. I mean, I'm not, I'm, you know, like, and it's also very well animated. Um, and so I was, you know, I was like, okay, it's, it was fine. Not that good. <laughs> like it was, I have nothing bad to say about it. I no, just no, didn't. of course. It's I'm just surprised with, you watched it. I mean, yeah, you're giving it, it a was, try. Fuck it. It was yeah. I was like, I really wanted to understand why there was this brony movement, 
And so I watched the first season, and mm-hmm. you know it was fine. But it, it's say like I watched a couple episodes of, of you know Last Airbender, and it was it was fine. <laughs> so Mandalorian, um, best episode so far? Sure, yeah. But again, it's not sure. It's not, what? It's not hard to be the best episode. I don't know. In an episode, in a season full of like just okay episodes. Yeah, I mean, maybe I think it was on par with the previous with the previous episode. This one had had no action. No, I think I think this is probably the best episode of Mandalorian so far. I would, we've been giving uh, Mandalorian sevens and, and sixes. I'd give this one an eight. It's it's mm. actually pretty. I actually I pretty much enjoyed the the whole thing. There was not really a dull moment for me. Yeah, it was fine. It's true. I mean, it's definitely not. Um, I mean, the only dull moments for me was was when they were just shooting lasers, but um, but I don't know. It, it, shooting lasers is like half Star Wars, Preston. Sure, but at some point, it's just you know it becomes mindless and numbing fighting. I mean, I did, I did. They did try to to make it interesting. They brought in that flamethrower dude. Flamethrower dude was cool. Flamethrower dude was cool. Um, it was different. Uh, the Tie Fighter fight was different. Never seen anything like that, right? I don't think we ever like, seen a, a someone like get on top of an X wing or or a Tie Fighter and like try to fuck it up that way. Yeah, yeah, it was very. That I was mean, cool. There's elements, I suppose, of Return of the Jedi with an ad, with a ATST, but um, but no, no one no one's ever done anything like that. You know. Did you notice a good chunk of the entire trailer for Mandalorian before it came out? They took scenes from Episode One, uh, the the heist episode, and this one. Oh really? No, yeah, because no, this is what I I was mainly looking forward to Moff Gideon the entire time, and I've been waiting for him the entire season, and he appears in the last two episodes. And I I do like the fact that Moff Gideon is essentially like um, is essentially like uh, um, um, like Mando's is a uh, Darth Vader, like his rival in this because, and mm-hmm. he's a very worthy rival. The I, I love that they got Giancarlo Esposito. He's he's freaking awesome. He makes for a very intimidating and threatening villain. And in fact, I think he's one of the very few. Uh, entities in the show that actually was able to um, hurt Mando. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What would you get? What, what, what would be your rating? Yeah, I mean, uh, give it a you know a seven seven point five. You know, seven point five. Nice. Really? Like, look, it it was they 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 tried. You know, like I, I thought the <laughs> helmet scene. Even though I was like, I don't know, did you feel something? I guess it was. It, it was an attempt. It was better than nothing. Uh, it's Pedro Pascal. Like I know what he the, looks like, but the, the IG Eleven thing, you know, and his sacrifice. That was that was that was you know fine. That was good. That was fine. Um, you know the the villain was was definitely um, uh, menacing, and you feel like he's he's gonna be difficult to, to defeat. You know. He, he, oh yeah, I, and the fact that he has a dark saber. I mean. The only thing that could really stand up to that, I don't, I don't even know if Beskar can stand up to that, unless he has a Beskar yeah. sword, which would be very dumb. And please don't do that. Um, <laughs> do you? I, I was gonna ask you. Do you think that we might actually see Luke, or maybe I don't think we're gonna see Luke. Do you think we might see any other Jedi here? Because this is around the time where maybe we could run into. Do you know Ahsoka at all? No, no. I mean, I know that the expanded universe just they end up just. Jedi's just end up lost. Jedi's are just fucking dime a dozen in the expanded universe. They are, you know, like oh, all the Jedi were exterminated except for this one and this and one this one and, and this, this one, one and this one. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, to be fair, there were thousands of Jedi um, during the last days of the old Republic, and they got a, they got most of them. There got to be a few hundred left, though, right? I guess. 
I mean, if honestly, if I were show running, I would I would bring in Bo- I would bring in Boba Fett for a Boba Fett plot in season two, and then I would have Boba Fett not killed, but like, you know, in the plot and then out of the plot. Then season three, I'd bring in Grand Admiral Thrawn. And so then... so Thrawn so Thrawn actually did come into Rebels, and they kind of did something really stupid with him. Um, should I tell you or sure? Yeah, please. So Grand Admiral Thrawn comes in, um, and he has the Tie Defender plot going, mm-hmm. and um, in season three and season four of Rebels, and season four of Rebels at the very end, our heroes Ezra somehow manages to go up to his star destroyer because there's a whole plot involving the Jedi and like a a weird temple that has to do with time travel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> I mean, point, I know that the time travel episode of Rebels was so... I mean, I've never seen Rebels, but when the time travel episode of Rebels came out, everyone kind of freaked out because they're like, you've, you've, you've introduced something so large, time nope. travel. I was going to say, nobody really time travels, but they kind of do... He affects the timeline in a sense because right. one of the Jedi is fighting Vader and he pulls her out into... It's, it's weird, but done very nicely. Um... Um, but no, so Thrawn is in there, um, and, um, what happens is, is that, uh, what happens is, is that, um, he gets outmaneuvered by Ezra, and his Star Destroyer, along with Ezra and Thrawn inside it, are pulled into a weird location by space whales that travel at light speed. It sounds incredibly stupid, and it is, but that's how... But Dave Filoni wanted to introduce Thrawn, which I think is awesome, but he didn't want to introduce Thrawn after Return of the Jedi, because Thrawn is probably the biggest threat next to Palpatine and Vader, with how intelligent he is. So I guess this is how Dave Filoni removes Thrawn out of the equation, but doesn't outright kill him. So it could be possible that Thrawn is out there somewhere. Right. I mean, the thing is, is what? Like, th- 25 years has passed from, mm. from, st- from Rebels to now. So you don't even have to explain how Thrawn got back from Whale World or Whale, whale Dimension. You know, because that's just a tale for another day. Right. You know? Kind of like people that, you know, when they saw that Darth Maul was still alive in, in Solo. Like, you don't have to explain it. It's just, okay, he's back mm-hmm. somehow. Um, you know, it's a, it's a tale for another day. Tale for another day, just like how Maz Kanata somehow got her Maz- hands on Luke's lightsaber. That's right. That's right. Uh, guys, before we wrap this up, I just want to let you know that me and Preston did do a review for uh, Rise of Skywalker. That will be exclusively available on Patreon on both mine and Preston's thing. I'll make sure he puts it up there. Um, if you don't want to support me and you want to support Preston, that's fine. Like I said, it'll be on his and vice versa. So, um, please look forward to that. We will be releasing some clips of it. I have a couple of clips on here of Preston freaking out about the Rise of Skywalker's plot holes. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I was listening back to that. You were, you're like freaking out. And then you get on my case, like, even you aren't addressing it. I'm like, what do you want me to do? It's, I, it's nothing I can do now. Uh, but, uh, Preston, you mind if we wrap it up now? Sure, sounds good. Guys, thank you so much for joining us on uh, this entire season of Mandalorian. I feel like that's... I don't know if we're going to do a final season review. We might. Who fucking knows? But um, thank you for joining us, and I hope you come back to us next time for season two of Mandalorian out in fall of 2020. It's confirmed. Um, But yeah, Preston, thank you for joining me for Mando. And for those of you cramming for Fire and Blood, we'll be back to it. Don't fucking worry. We're on it. Um, Also, I watched watched episode one of The Witcher, so... uh... (laughs) 
We'll get to that too. Uh, guys, thank you so much for joining us. And as always, we'll see you next time. Have a good one.